Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I went to Graceland this Thursday, first for me. It only took three and a half years of living here and the generosity of some comped tickets so that we wouldn't be eating pasta for a month. (laughs) Uh, But I made it as a parting pilgrimage to a place that I expect literally everyone will ask me about when I tell them I have moved to New York from Memphis. Am I right? Yeah. Preach from your scars, not your wounds, says theologian, writer, and Episcopal priest Scott Walters. But we're going for it anyway because we don't have much time left together. Graceland deeply confused me, (laughs) y'all. I walked through the highly carpeted house, bemused at first the suave tones of John Stamos in my headset, commenting on the custom-built coffee table the name of Elvis's favorite yellow palomino, Lisa Marie's favorite chair. He regaled me with tales of how the pool table became damaged and why there were three television sets in one room. While I wondered when I was supposed to be feeling, I don't know, anything, I grew more concerned as I proceeded further John Stamos dispensing a steady stream of facts into my ears as my internal questions of what should I be feeling right now devolved into dark and existential meditations on the unknowable chasms separating human beings. I had become lost from Missy, who had been moving through more quickly, and I moved rapidly, anxiously through the last exhibit and caught up to her at the gravesite, only to find her unrecognizable, nearing a state of rapture as she beheld the eternal flame lit for this dead man. Here was my wife, and who was she after all? Who was I? this obvious interloper and unbeliever. This has happened to me before, actually, regarding a Memphis landmark. When I first moved here, someone told me that I needed to go to the zoo for the first thing, and I replied, honestly, it's a problem I have. I said I probably wouldn't, uh, that zoos made me depressed. (laughs) She looked at me and said, You just don't get it. (laughs) How do you argue with that? Yeah. You just don't get it. That ought to have been the moral of the story from the passage in Acts today that Paul read at first. 
Philip, uh, who's not an apostle, but one of those recently appointed deacons whose job it was to set the tables for the communal meals in the early church, Philip is uh, told by the Holy Spirit to go. That perennial call of Scripture. Go. Go south, the Spirit directs. No discussion follows. Philip leaves his tables behind him and follows a road in the wilderness. He comes across an Ethiopian eunuch traveling in a chariot on his way home from Jerusalem. The eunuch is unnamed in this story, I think on purpose. He is an unknown all around, an unquantifiable character. He exists as a eunuch somewhere outside the working definitions of masculine and feminine. We don't know if he was made a eunuch by force or by accident, but it was often a prerequisite for working uh, for a powerful queen in the ancient world. He's come to Jerusalem to worship, even though the law is very clear on this point. Anyone who has been castrated is not allowed in the assembly. Such a long way for him to travel when he knows he's going to only have a spectator's seat. Moreover, as an Ethiopian, he's neither Jew nor Greek, right? Sanctified nor profane. He is outside the working definitions of our society on every level. And you would think, as you start thinking about these characteristics, that all of this would make a sort of predictable biblical lead up about the lame and the weak being brought in. But the eunuch has other things going for him. He's also extremely powerful. He's an official in the royal court. He's fabulously rich, enough to own his own scroll of Isaiah, not to mention uh, to employ a chariot driver to cart him around. And he's educated, schooled in various religions. He can read the scroll for himself and does so out loud. The Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch to say all of this is just this bundle of contradictions. Someone who is simultaneously outside and above and below our expectations, unnameable, unknown. He would walk into Memphis and say he didn't like barbecue, right? We just don't get it. The chariot passes Philip walking on the same road, who runs to catch up when he hears the familiar words of Isaiah spoken in an unfamiliar accent. Philip strikes up a conversation with this Ethiopian eunuch. They sit down together and they study the scriptures. The Holy Spirit led them to a long and leisurely conversation. The chariot bumping slowly along a wilderness road heading south. Unexpected, unsought, a communion is established among two people with nothing in common but their newly discovered humanity. The study leads to the experience of God. They both leave changed, and they leave a story meant to change us too. What a good three and a half years this rambling chariot ride south has been for me. 
My story blurs here because I'm never sure when I'm the Philip running alongside, asking you to slow down and read this passage with me, to show up to any number of the classes on scripture or theology or the life of faith, the one who is invited into the chariot of your life for a short while as you go on your way. I'm never sure, on the other hand, when I'm the eunuch, the outsider in this larger story of Calvary, that unquantifiable individual of a puzzling array of demographics that would have disqualified me from being your priest when many of you were young. I was brought in to give more, be given more than a spectator's seat, though. What I do trust, wherever we are in that story, is that we were brought together by the Holy Spirit, whose reconciling work in this world can only happen through our hopeful and failing selves. The church is one of those rare places in the world where you and I voluntarily enter a room with people we just don't get. You sit down by strangers and hear that those who do not love do not know God. And sometimes those words cut like a knife in your heart. You fearfully declare it the word of the Lord. You look around the room and you wonder if you're up to that work. You look inside yourself and you find a heart capable but not always willing. Itself a maze of excesses and excuses and anxieties that keep you from knowing even your true self, the one that's beloved and redeemed by God. What a place we're in here, where all these divides between you and me and God and our redemption, all these can be bridged with something as every day as conversation over scripture. It seems like the right story to leave you with, actually. It's the story I've seen replayed over and over over these years. Something as simple as a Bible study leads us to the waters of your baptism, to your marriage altars, to your gravesides. Calvary is full of those sort of hearts, willing to step into the unknown places of our world, even toward a young priest from Arkansas a few years back. Those moments of grace, they ripple out to this block, to this city, to Ethiopia, to, of all places, New York, it's no wonder you've got a place called Graceland. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm.